What's up, everybody? Welcome to the JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Strigling. I'm going to be your host. Let's get into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Texas native, Texas 12 middle infielder, and 2024 Texas commit. We got Carson Luna on the JKR Podcast for the Texas 12 Baseball Series, powered by Mind Baseball. Carson, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be here and uh, talk about some baseball today. Of course. I'm pumped for the excitement, man. Pumped to get you on the show, like I said. But but before we dig into your baseball career here a little bit, I got one question I'd like to dig into with everybody I get on the JKR podcast, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Carson Luna? Yeah, so my name is Carson Luna. I, I go to St. John's High School, and um, I've lived in Houston my whole life. Baseball has been a really big part of my life basically the whole time. I started playing t-ball when I was really young, and just loved it ever since. Been working, so it's been great. Um, one thing I would say is is unique to me is I'm really competitive in pretty much everything I do. So, you know, if I'm playing ping pong or baseball or whatever, I always love to win. So, that's kind of me. Okay. Oh, I always love getting those competitors here on the JKR podcast. But you mentioned you're from Houston, going to St. John's. Let's kind of dig into that first. You know, dig into your high school career here a little bit. So, with you, you know, going into your junior year, I'm sure you guys have played maybe, you know five or six games maybe so far this season kind of take us through you know your freshman year your sophomore year kind of what that looked like and then leading up to this year as a junior maybe what the outlook is heading into this 2023 spring yeah so uh freshman year I actually I started on JV um because that year a lot of seniors uh, my brother was actually uh in the junior class that year so he was on varsity with a lot of guys um, a couple of which went to go play in college um so I played JV that season with a bunch of my good friends in my grade and a couple from the class above me. And we did really well. Our pitchers were dominant and up against other JV teams. And um, we actually ended up winning like the, I guess, JV tournament um, that year. So we were pretty dominant against uh, a lot of the schools that were really good, um, like Kincaid, Episcopal. Um, so that was good. And then we, a couple of, uh, a couple of us even got called up to, varsity that season later um, to help help out the team at, towards the end and 
towards the SPC conference game. So um, that was really good. And then sophomore year, a lot of the guys who, who performed well on um, JV the last season moved up to varsity. I started, I would think, almost every single game at short that year. Um, a couple of my other good friends pitched a lot and played outfield, et cetera. And, and we did good. We lost a couple of games that probably shouldn't have lost, but we won a lot of games that um, are really good team wins. We played together and, and beat a lot of good teams. So that was um, really good to see, especially coming off the successful JV season. And then this year, uh, we had a lot of seniors leave um, that were really crucial to the team. So a lot of the younger guys are stepping up, which is really good to see. And we started off good, winning some big games, um, seeing some really good stuff from um, guys that definitely developed a lot last year. So really just trying to win as many games as possible and hopefully get that SPC conference championship this year. Okay. So, so losing a bunch of seniors in between this off season, how have you maybe as a, as a junior, you know, finally the upperclassmen, how have you maybe, you know, turned into maybe taking a leadership role or maybe taking some of these younger guys underneath your wing here a little bit, being a little experienced. Um, how have you kind of, you know, maybe evolved into a leadership role with all those seniors leaving last year? Yeah, definitely. So last year, a lot of the guys, um, specifically the second baseman was a senior who I kind of looked up to the way he played and, and the way he went about the game. Um, he taught me a lot of stuff that uh, wasn't necessarily like how to hit or how to field, but just some small details that you wouldn't notice until it's the necessary time and that would make a big difference. And so I think kind of taking up that role for some of the younger guys, because obviously I've played some some really competitive baseball in the summer with 12 and played in some big games against some big names. So just kind of helping teach the younger guys um, like small things that maybe aren't crucial in everyday games, but could make a really big difference in situations where the necessary is, is definitely a spot that I would like to help uh, lead my team and improve upon the season. So. So as a freshman, you said there was a lot of seniors on that team that ended up going to play at that next level. How did they maybe, you know, show you the ropes playing high school ball, or maybe what were some of those key concepts you took away from some of those older guys that did, you know, end up going to play at that next level? Yeah. So I, it was a lot of like hitting stuff that I kind of picked up from them about like maybe approach or just certain things that you could see throughout the game. Maybe not when you're actually at the plate, but just picking up on to get that extra edge above a pitcher. So noticing like pitch sequencing or maybe when they throw this pitch, when they throw this pitch, where they like to uh, throw their fastball. Like for example, umpires are got pretty big zones in high school ball. So a lot of pitchers like to just pick away at that outside corner. So uh, I learned pretty early that I have to take that pitch away or else they'll just eat, eat you up there because umpires will just give them the other white line. So just little things like that that I picked up from those older guys who had played high school ball for a couple of years. Um, that really helped me and led me to be successful. So, yeah. So for you, Texas guys, I always like to dig into what your game day routine kind of looks like when it comes to the class schedule and then lead up into the game. Because down there in Texas, you guys have something I never really heard of before I started talking to you, Texas guys, and that is you guys have a, you know, individual class period that is assigned for your sport. So take us through what that game day looks like, you know, with that baseball period, you know, whenever that is throughout the day, just take us through what the actual game day routine looks like, you know, going to class, maybe going to a baseball period, going back to class and getting ready for the game. What does that look like for you? Yeah. So I wake up about seven every morning or so and eat a big breakfast, try to get as much you know, protein calories I can as in my, in my body as I can. Um, and then 
go to class. Uh, we, we dress out in like khaki pants and dress shirts on game days. So it's kind of like getting ready for business in the morning. Cause you know, got to take care of business after, after school. So um, go to my classes, do what I need to do, schoolwork, tests, whatever. And then during lunch, we usually have like a, I guess what you might call the baseball period where we, you know, discuss uh, the teams we're playing or the teams that um, are coming up and maybe pitchers that we'll be facing, strategies we're taking or whatever, and and then go back to our afternoon classes. And then after school, we usually get uh, some food, some drink, uh, stay hydrated, and then we'll go warm up, uh, dress out, and then ball out on the field. So, so you, for your freshman year, when you did start, you know, the season on JV, was there – how did that look like when it came to your schedule? Because for the most part, for you guys, like Texas high schools, like the JV team practices separate with the high school team when it comes to their class period, correct? Yes. So what did that look like when you made – when you and some of your other freshman teammates made that transition from JV to varsity, you know, midway through that season your freshman year? Was there like – did you have to get your classes changed? Like what does that look like? No. So at my school, the, the baseball is the same for – uh, JV and uh, okay. varsity. So they practice separately, but it's at the same time. So our schedules didn't really have to change. It was just kind of new guys, new like environment that was mo- the main difference. Okay. All right. So with you, you know, you mentioned your, you, your school is located, you know, in that Houston area. And from talking to a bunch of people in Texas, they say Houston, you know, is that hotbed for baseball talent in the state. So take us through, you know, what that competition level looks like from schools that you play in that spring calendar, maybe some, you know, other power five commits that you're facing. Just take us through what that competition level looks like in your region, you know, throughout this spring. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of good baseball here in in Houston. And even though it's private school baseball, there's still a lot of big names that, you know, we'll be playing against. So like Kincaid and Episcopal have a lot of, those are our main, I guess you might call rivals. Um, they got a lot of names. Like I know you did an interview with Jack Paris. Uh, he plays at Kincaid. Um, I mean, some other really good players that are, you know, go to Episcopal. Um, so there's definitely a lot of competition. And, you know, when it gets to the SPC conference games, we'll be seeing those big arms throwing, you know, 88 to 92. And so we just got to be ready for it. But there's definitely a lot of, a lot of big arms that we'll be facing and also some big bats. So, so with all the big arms in your region, I guess this is one question I like to ask guys who are a little bit younger. Um, so, you know, looking back at your freshman, sophomore year, playing at that Texas high school level competition, maybe facing some older guys. So last year you said you were that starting shortstop. I'm sure on a game-to-game basis you were facing guys who were juniors, seniors, you know, a couple years older than you, maybe heading to college that next year. Is What's tougher, you know, when you're in that high school level as an underclassman, facing guys who are a couple years older, or when you're playing travel baseball, when you're playing guys of your same age level, but also guys who, you know, that top-tier talent heading to Power 5 schools as well. You know, what does that kind of look like? Do they kind of compare? Um, and then what's that mind shift, mind shift change as well uh, when it comes to, you know, playing travel baseball compared to high school ball as well? Yeah, so I think playing with 12 and, and the travel ball is actually really, really important for me being successful as, like you say, a sophomore uh, playing on varsity. So I saw a lot of the big arms um, in my age throughout the summer and almost every tournament. So I think those arms were similar to the big arms that I would see during the school season. So it kind of prepared me um, to be ready for those and, you know, get my timing down and, and all that stuff. And then in terms of 
like you said, the mindset, it's, I think it's pretty similar, but it's also pretty different because summer ball, that's all you're doing is, you know, you're with your team playing games, probably multiple games a day. Um, but then for school, it's, you have to focus on school and kind of, there's just a lot more things to deal with during school ball. So I definitely like summer more because, you know, I love baseball and that's really what I want to focus on. And I get to do that with some yeah. of my favorite teammates during the summer. So, yeah. So with you being going to a private school in St. John's there in Texas, is there like, are you guys playing mainly private schools as well? Do you guys throw public schools in that schedule? What does that look like? And then when it comes to the state tournament, does everyone, is everyone a part of that same state tournament or are you guys separated since you guys are also a private school? Yeah. So we, during the regular season, we play both, uh, some public schools and private schools. I think I would say it's mostly private schools. Um, but like, for example, we played North Shore yesterday, which is a big public school. Um, so those get mixed in, um, which is good because it's new faces that we've probably never seen before. Um, and then during the state tournament, it's just private schools. So the public schools have their own like state tournament that they do. Okay. All right. So let's transition a little bit to the Texas 12 and travel baseball. So take us through, you know, what your travel baseball career has been like so far, you know, maybe your upbringing and then how you actually got connected with coach Bennett and this Texas 12 program kind of take us through uh, what your travel baseball careers look like so far. Yeah. So I played uh, when I was younger, I played with um, a couple organizations. Um, I started, I started in little league first and then I left probably around like eight U from little league and, played on some travel ball teams. Um, I jumped around a little bit um, and then I found my eighth grade year, I found Texas 12, um, which would be 14 U. Um, and that was kind of really when I found the place that I loved because I found that at a lot of the other travel ball places, it was more like less practice and you kind of just roll up for the games and, and go. But at 12, they really focused on development and you know, I'm an infielder, so we would do like infield work and hitting work and a lot of specific things that I that I didn't really see before. Um, and so I found that it was a really good place for me because I was never like the biggest guy, or the strongest guy or throwing the hardest. So a place where I could develop consistently for years is, is something that was really important. And I didn't really know I needed it until I actually found 12. Um, and that's when I found that I was my, my talent level was jumping up and and I had a lot more fun playing the game actually because I was playing with good competition and with really good coaches so from there I just kept playing with 12 in the summers and then I even did the fall programs there um, and I had some really good connections with the coaches um, and some of my best friends have played on the same 12 team with me for years so it's really just been a good place for me the whole time I've been there. Yeah. So, you know, beyond development, you know, with you going to, you know, maybe you said jumping around at first two different travel ball programs. What do you think it is that makes the Texas 12 stand out? Uh, it makes them, you know, help them lead to the success that they've had these past, you know, five, seven years, heading a bunch of guys to power five programs. Uh, just with you going and seeing the inside of some other programs, what do you think has led to this Texas 12 success? Yeah. So I think uh, one of the really big things is that they, they don't, they don't only try to make you good at baseball, but they try to like grow uh, young men um, into grown men and teach you how to act and how to treat other people and how to fail, honestly, because, you know, baseball is a lot of failure. So you got to know how to deal with it. And a lot of the small things they do really well and they teach really well. Um, so even like warming up and like talking to coaches are things that, that they focus on and, and teach 
teach us so that we're ready and we know, you know what we're doing. So it's a lot of things even off the field that they do that really make a big difference in the long run and, and translate on the field, you know, with your teammates or maybe when you're down towards the end of the game and you got to find a way to score some runs and win. It's those small things that they do that, um, that really make the difference. So that's yeah. the main thing I would say that's different. Okay. So, you know, as, as I talk to some of these Texas 12 coaches, you know, whether that's Broninger, Coach Knox, Coach uh, Bennett as well, I know they all take very big pride in when it comes to actually their practice plans and how they run their practices. Kind of take us through, you know, when you are practicing with Texas 12, kind of what that looks like and then how that leads up to your development as well. Yeah. So practice, we, in the summer, we, we don't practice as much because we're playing a lot, traveling a lot, but, um, Outside of that, we practice two to three times a week. Um, so normally we'd get there, do like team stretch and throwing. Um, guys are doing bands and stuff like that. And then we'll hop into individual like positional work. So infielders will go in a group, outfielders will go in a group, catchers will go um, to the little catching station they got. Um, and then pitchers will go on their own. And then we'll just do specific drills and things that you know, help us improve our fielding or our footwork or stuff like that. Um, and then the coaches will be like those de designated coaches. So like Coach Knox, obviously, is an infielder. I work with him a lot um, at practice. And then I also work with him outside of practice um, and, and develop there. And then after individual position work, we'll go into like either team defense and like cuts and relays in and out, stuff like that or hitting, um, whichever one we do first, the other one, other one will go after. I mean, hitting is sometimes on the field off machines, and then other times it'll be in the indoor facility uh, off, you know, high velo or working on hitting drills, staying through the ball, stuff like that. So it's a lot of specific things that really help, help guys um, work on things that rather than just, you know, mindlessly taking ground balls or mindlessly swinging. Yeah. So you talk about how you work with Coach Knox a lot since he is, you know, an infielder, teaches all you infielders. You know, what are some of those relationships you have with this Texas 12 coaching staff? You know, whether that's Coach Knox or the head coach for your 2024 team as well, Coach Bennett, just kind of take us through, you know, what those some of those relationships are with the Texas 12 coaching staff. Yeah. So Coach Knox um, was my first coach when I went to 12 uh, when I was 14. Uh, he was really the first guy I met at 12, and we've been really close since. Um, Obviously, he's an infielder, so I've talked to him a lot about infield and defense and stuff like that. And then he's also like a big sneakerhead, and I love shoes too. So that's kind of a little connection we have there. So, um, yeah, he's taught me a lot of things, you know, about hitting and defense and positioning and a lot of things that, um, once again, are small but make a big difference um, in certain situations. Um, and then Coach Bennett, I, I don't haven't talked to much because – uh, he's in College Station, and he is involved with a lot of the 2025 guys, but he's a great guy, and I love talking to him when I did. Um, and then Coach Hodge was my coach the last two summers, um, and he's been one of my favorite coaches that I've ever had. Um, he's a really good teacher, and he takes pride in everything that he does, like from how we dress, how we warm up, how we get on and off the field, et cetera, and, and really positive guy that, you know, he'll – teach you what you need to know, but he'll also help you through the, the tough times or, you know, the slumps that you got to get out of. So he's really awesome guy um, that I've gotten really close to the last two summers and hopefully, you know, I get to play for him again this summer. So.
Yeah. So talking about this summer, it is your final travel baseball summer, this 2023 summer for your 17U season. Kind of take us through, you know, what you're looking forward to most for your final season, you know, putting on that Texas 12 uniform for the last couple tournaments. Just take us through, you know, what you're looking forward to most here for this 2023 summer. Yeah, so I would probably say the thing I'm looking forward to the most is just playing with, you know, my favorite my favorite teammates and my best friends for, you know, one last summer because I'll, I'll definitely see them a lot in, in college playing against them and stuff like that, but it's probably the last time I'll play with them. So just, you know, savoring those moments when, you know, when we're traveling in the hotels and just having fun like that. Um, so that's definitely something I'm looking forward to and just, just having fun playing the game because at the end of the day, it is a game and it's there to have fun. So. So let's envision yourself in the future here a couple of years, or I guess even, you know, in a, I guess, yeah, two years or so, you know, you're facing your first Texas 12 teammate for the first time in college. Envision that. Who do you think it's going to be? Um, and then I guess what your approach would be against whoever that guy is. Like pitcher or anyone? Uh, pitcher, because let's say like you're in the bo- in the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, let's see. I would say probably Rylan Hill. He's a 24 um, on my team. He's committed to A&M. Um, he's a really big lefty. Um, so, yeah, I would, that would be really awesome to face him. Obviously, be fun because I know him and we're, we're good friends. So, facing him would be, would be awesome. And, you know, obviously hunting that fastball because that's my favorite pitch. And if I got out, I'd try to take him 500 feet. So, <laughs> yes, that would be awesome. There we go. So uh, you also talked about how you've been a part of the Texas 12 fall, the Texas 12 fall program. Take us through, you know, what exactly that is. Cause you know, I haven't really had many players bring that up to me yet. So take us through, you know, what that fall program is, what that kind of looks like. Yeah. So it's uh, a lot of practice. I think three practices a week. Um, like I described earlier, um, there's a lot of the same guys, but also some, some new faces that uh, come in the fall because you actually don't have to play on the, 12 summer teams to do the fall program. So there's some different guys there every year. And then it's a lot of practicing on the weekdays. And then every weekend uh, on Saturday, it's like a inner squad against, you know, the other guys that are doing the fall program. So at first it's mostly like machine. And then towards the end, guys are throwing and seeing arms and stuff. So it's, it's mostly for just getting working, getting at bats, before the high school season starts to so just stay locked in. Okay. So, you know, let's, let's take it back a little bit. You know, we've talked about, you know, what you're looking forward to most for your final travel baseball season, but looking back into, you know, when your travel baseball career got started, you said you were jumping around to a couple different teams, you know, you're 14, you found the Texas 12, just looking back into your, the entirety of your travel baseball career. Uh, just, you know, what have been a, maybe two or three just favorite memories that come to mind when you think of, you know, just travel baseball, what comes to your mind, whether that's, you know, on the field, off the field with some teammates, what are a couple of those memories? Yeah, so I would say probably one of my best memories playing travel ball is um, when we won the, I forget what the tournament's called, but it's like the national team championships in North Carolina um, at the USA baseball facility. Uh, that was this last summer and um, that was with my most recent 12 team. So that was really awesome, really fun to play in because that facility is, is crazy nice with, you know, amazing quality fields and North Carolina is a beautiful place. Um, and we ended up 
uh, winning. You know, we beat a lot of good teams. We beat like USA Prime and Canes National and a lot of those really good teams who had a bunch of highly ranked guys that were throwing really hard. So I think it was kind of an example of when we didn't necessarily have like the biggest guys or the strongest guys, but we knew how to play the game the best. And that ultimately made the difference in us winning that tournament. So that's got to be my favorite memory from travel ball. Okay, so digging into the USA tournament here a little bit. So, you know, like I said, like I know, like I know the 2023 team won, the 2025 team were runners up, you know, that last summer as well. You guys won that championship. Take us through what that event was like, you know, maybe the day to day, what that atmosphere looked like, uh, maybe some of the toughest teams that you face. I know you mentioned USA Prime Canes National, maybe that toughest pitcher you got to face throughout that tournament. Just take us through what that USA tournament kind of looked like through your eyes. Yeah, so uh, I think we played maybe one or two games a day. It wasn't that packed because I think it's really limited number of teams get to go, maybe like 11 or so. Um, and it, they're all really good teams. So uh, we would play our games either in the morning or afternoon, you know, kind of just be normal warm-up and stuff like that. Um, but the games you could just tell were kind of different in terms of talent level because every single dude we faced was at least throwing 88 to 95. So – you never really got like a off inning where you could kind of just cruise because every single dude playing on field knew what he was doing and was probably some type of big name. So it was just a really cool event because a lot of, a lot of college coaches were there. Some pro scouts were there. Um, so it was just a really fun environment to play in because it, it was really competitive and everyone wanted to win and we got to compete. You know, I got to compete with my teammates and, and it was really cool to ultimately win that thing because, as you said, Canes National and USA Prime, those are probably the two biggest teams um, there in terms of, you know, ranked guys and big names and stuff like that. So it was, it was really fun to play against a lot of those guys that, you know, you even see on TV or uh, perfect game and stuff like that. So it, it was fun. Um, and, yeah, it was just a great experience in that tournament. Yeah. So winning that championship, take us through maybe what that routine was, you know, leading up to that game, you know, maybe what the, what your, the jitters or whatever, the, whatever those feelings are before that game leading up to, you know, that last inning, you know, you guys get those final three outs, take us through just from your point of view, right before you guys, you know, have that dog pile, win that gold medal. What does that look like through your eyes? Yeah. So we were playing, uh, I think it was an afternoon game. We were all really exhausted. We had just played a ton of games seen really good pitching so we were all we were all exhausted but we were fighting because we knew uh we, we really wanted to win that thing and i think um the 24 or sorry the 23s had just won the tournament like a week or two weeks prior so we were kind of jokingly trying to win just so when they posted it on the twitter they could have like two gold medals next to the 23s and 24s um and so we were really just fighting for it uh we were playing Dolan's dodgers um, and then last inning, I think it was like a fly out to ride or something. And, and then we all just went to the mountain dogpiled. So it was really, really cool moment that game. I'm sure. So like I mentioned before we started recording, you know, the majority of the guys that I have interviewed from the Texas 12 are on that 2023, 2025 team. You are this first 2024 commit I've got on from this Texas 12 team kind of take us through, you know, besides yourself, who is also some guys to be on the lookout for on this 2024 team? Maybe some other guys committed to power five programs. What does the rest of this roster entail besides yourself? Yeah. So uh, there's definitely, my team's definitely stacked in terms of, you know, talent and, and a lot of guys that are definitely are really good players. Um, 
like for example, Isaiah Castaneda, he plays for Paraland, um, which I think they're the number one ranked high school team in Texas. Um, he's he's really good. He's big, tall guy. He pitches and plays outfield, and he was he was really crucial to our team this summer because he he pitched and he hit really well. Um, and then also like Trace Meadows and J.D. Crisp are two guys that were are really important in our outfield. They're both really fast guys. Um, I think Trace Meadows plays. Uh, he plays at he plays in College Station with Coach Hodge's son Nate Hodge um, at AM Consolidated, and then JD plays at Second Baptist, which is a really good school. That I think they won their state championship last year. Um, and then also Marco Gonzalez, another middle infielder on my team. Mason Jacobs is also a middle infielder, which he's really smooth. And then um, another guy that wasn't on my team last year, but was, is a guy that really good friends with and is is really developing well as Brock DeYoung um so those guys are definitely work hard and really play the game well so so yeah. moving, so moving away from the team side of things here real quick let's move to the personal side PBR futures games you know really cool event that you got to take a part of was that this past summer or was that the summer before uh that was this past summer yeah okay so let's let's dig into that experience here a little bit i know as i talked to some other guys who attended that event they talk about you know there's just a ton of scouts you know everywhere you look anywhere around lake point there's scout after scout college coach after college coach kind of take us through that experience what that competition level was like a couple of the states that you got to face just take us through that pbr futures game experience yeah so um obviously it was at lake point in uh in georgia and as you said, right when you get there, there's just coaches everywhere. Any any school you can think of, you can probably look in two minutes and find a coach wearing that shirt. So um, it was definitely kind of nerve wracking at first, especially because everyone is everyone there is uncommitted, um, and so you're you're just looking for that opportunity and trying to perform well because you know that any school that you have interest in is probably there and probably watching you. So it was definitely nerve wracking at first, but. Um, Pressure is something that I think I deal with really well. It kind of enhances me, honestly. Um, so um, I played for Team Texas. I think we played Georgia, California, and maybe Illinois, um, I think. It was, I believe it was Indiana because I know I was Indiana. talking. To, oh, yeah, it was Indiana. Obviously, from I'm from Indiana, so I was talking to a lot of the guys, and I, I believe they said they faced Texas. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Indiana. Um, so those were all really stacked teams. We got a pretty stuck pretty tough schedule um and so just playing those games is awesome obviously everyone's uncommitted so just competing for everything everyone's everyone's really good so um yeah it was it was definitely nerve-wracking at, at some points especially going up in the box for that first at bat and then looking behind you and just seeing like 50 coaches just standing behind home plate watching is is something that I'll probably never see again but it was really awesome and then um, just kind of trying to slow everything down and just play the game how I know how to play it. Um, and ultimately, I did really well there. I got some hits off some good pitchers and made some good plays. So, yeah, it was a really cool event. Yeah. So you did mention that, you know, when the pressure's on, that's when you, you know, come out, play your best. So for you, like, what is that mindset you have to, you know, play with the play when the pressure's on the most? Or I guess play your best when the pressure's on the most. Uh, maybe the, how do you kind of keep that tunnel vision? Maybe keep your mind focused away from the scouts and just stay focused on your game. Like, what is that mindset you have just to stay focused on the game of baseball? Yeah, so I feel like when, you know, pressure's on or big moments, 
big moments um, coming up. I, I kind of turn turn it to an extra gear, um, and just that hyper focus just locks in, and I kind of forget about everything and just focus on my approach or whatever I'm trying to do. I'm mean, really just trying to keep it simple because when I start overthinking things is when I find that things start going south. So really just kind of toning out whatever might be going on and just locked into exactly what I'm trying to do or whatever my goal is in that moment is, is what helps me get through those high pressure situations. Okay. All right. So let's transition a little bit to the recruiting process. So obviously, like we've talked about, you are a 2024 Texas commit. So let's dig into that recruiting process, you know, how it got started, when exactly it got started. Just kind of give us that rundown a little bit on your recruiting process. Yeah, so I, um, I played really well my, the summer after my freshman year. Um, and then that's kind of when things started getting kicked off. Um, so I went to a couple camps that summer and a couple coaches started to um, call me. And then, um, of course, I went back and started talking to some of the 12 coaches. And that's really when it kicked off because they have a lot of connections to a lot of coaches um, of big schools. And so they, of course, reached out and were talking and other coaches reached out to them and they would let me know. And, and so that's kind of when it started, started ramping up. And then I kept playing well that summer. Um, I went to some camps and ca started calling some coaches. Um, and that kind of varied. Some coaches I would call once every every once in a while. Other coaches I would call weekly. Um, and then just started building relationship with, with a lot of coaches. And then um, next summer, which was the summer after my sophomore year, I, I played well again and um, played well in some really big games and some really big tournaments. Um, and I continued talking to coaches and, and, you know, focusing on the schools that I might be interested in myself, um, looking for the things that were important to me in a school. Um, and then September 1st rolled, away, rolled around and Texas was actually the first uh, school to text me on September 1st. I think they texted me at like 6.30 in the morning. Um, and I was actually planning on going to a camp that I was invited to the next weekend. Um, so that was really cool. I called the coach back on September 1st and talked to him and then went and did really well at that camp. I actually hit a ball out of Dish Falk and BP. So um, that was a really cool moment also. And then from there they uh, offered me and I of course committed to Texas and that's kind of how it went. So you did mention that when that recruiting process did get started for you, you kind of reached out to some of your Texas 12 coaching staff and asked them for some advice. So what type of role did that Texas 12 coaching staff kind of play in your recruiting process? Yeah, so uh, I would say it was mainly Coach Knox and Coach Hodge that really helped me um, in the recruiting process because they both have a lot of connections just from over the years um, of coaches that a lot of the schools that I ended up talking to. Um, and so a lot of the coaches, of course, before, uh, before September 1st, they weren't allowed to actually reach out to us. So they would kind of go through um, Coach Hodge or Coach Knox in order to get a hold of me. Um, and so that was really helpful to have someone that they could kind of go through because um, now that I look back at it, if I didn't have them, I, I kind of don't think that um, a lot of the things that I, there, a lot of the coaches that I ended up talking to would have been possible. So they really played a big role in, in just kind of almost being like the middleman, but also giving me advice at, you know, maybe what events to go to or about coaches that they know of and just kind of helping me just gather information for myself. 
Yeah. So, you know, as that recruiting process was getting rolling, you know, from that summer after your freshman year, all throughout your sophomore year, and then, you know, to when you actually did commit, you know, what were some of those key things that you were looking for when you were comparing different types of schools, whether that was things within the university, things within the coaching staff and the program, just kind of take us through, you know, maybe what some of those key values were as you went through the the decision-making process. Yeah. So one thing that uh, was really important to me was like, Pro, de- pro development or like how many guys get drafted out of a certain school. And um, because my ultimate dream is to play pro ball and, you know, go to the MLB. And so a place where I could continue to develop and, and improve as a player, it was one thing that was really important to me. Um, and then also the coaching staff um, was an important factor because um, if those coaches are going to be the ones that are, you know, almost guiding you for four years and um, helping you on and off the field. I really wanted to have a good connection with those guys. And I love the coaches at Texas. So that was something that really clicked. Um, And then just other small things like, you know, location and facilities and stuff like that was, were things that I thought about, but didn't really turn the table in my decision. So yeah. So do you remember what exactly it was or when exactly it happened to where it kind of just, you know, it clicked and in your mind, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to Austin. Do you kind of remember what that day looked like and, you know, what exactly it was that just pushed Texas over the edge? Yeah. So I just remember that first camp I went to, um, when I got to Austin, there was just kind of like a different energy there that, that I immediately felt just the people and the places that I went to and was around was just a really good environment. Um, and of course I'm born and raised in Houston, so I'm kind of used to the city feel. And so Austin, um, is also a city. So it's a place where I kind of feel comfortable. Um, and then dish Falk stadium was just an amazing place. Um, just playing short in those, uh, scrimmage games in the camp and just looking up and seeing all those seats and seats and picturing, you know, those being full of fans during the big games was, like a time when I kind of just knew that that was a place I wanted to be. Um, and so that was kind of really the point when I knew that Texas was the place where I wanted to be. Yeah. So, you know, going from one city in Houston to where you grew up in to another city in Texas in Austin, even though you probably haven't been there too many times, have you like, is there a big difference when it comes to those cities within the state of Texas or what does that kind of look like when it comes to, you know, this just the entire atmosphere of both of those cities? Yeah, I, I haven't been to Austin actually too many times. I've been there a couple of times, but I would say there's, there's definitely a difference between the cities and uh, Texas. Um, you know, Houston is a really big, like, like business city. There's a lot of work going on and a lot of business stuff happening. Um, and then I noticed that Austin was a little more like kind of trendy and, and more, I would say it's more fitted for like younger people, even like college students. Um, but yeah, I would say overall, they're pretty, the cities in Texas are pretty similar. There's just a couple small differences that, you know, maybe change the vibe or the feel a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. So you did mention that, you know, one of your key values within, you know, your decision-making process was, you know, that relationship you had with the coaching staff. So take us through, you know, what that relationship was with the Texas coaching staff, you know, before September 1st and then after leading up to your commitment. And then now, you know, being what, probably what, five or six months after your commitment or so, just take us through, you know, what that relationship what was and how that's evolved, you know, over time since committing. Yeah. So I, um, I talked to some of the coaches uh, before September 1st on the phone um, and they had been watching me in some games, but I hadn't 
I hadn't talked to him in person yet um, before, but then at that camp, I talked to Coach Pierce and Rodriguez um, a good bit and got to know him a little bit. Um, and then from there, I just started, you know, talking to the other coaches like Coach Longley and Coach Miller, um, a lot of those guys. Even um, Yeah, so after the camp, I called Coach Rodriguez and Coach Miller and Coach Longley every once in a while, just catch up and uh, just kind of building that relationship because, you know, of course, they're busy with their own team and trying to win as many games as possible. But just whenever I get the chance, I catch up with those guys and see how everything's going and we talk and just building that relationship so when I get there, you know, we already feel like family and ready to compete. So, yeah. So, you know, as we dig into relationships, obviously with you being an in-state kid, I'm sure you might know a couple guys who are also heading to Texas within your recruiting class. But, you know, what are some of those relationships you have with your future Longhorn teammates, whether that's in that 24 class, maybe 23 and 25 class or well as well, or maybe even some guys who are there um, already? You know, what are some of those relationships you have with some long, with your future Longhorn teammates? Yeah, so um, actually – a good bit of the guys committed in my class are from out of state. I would say probably like half of them are out of state. Um, but the ones that are from Texas in my class, I've played against many times like Theo Gillen and, and guys like that. Um, I've played against and I've talked to a couple of times. Um, and so I know them a little bit. I don't live like near any of them and there's no other Texas commits in my uh, class that play for 12. Um, so I'm not like super close with any of them, but I definitely have talked to them talk to them and we, we all have a snapchat group chat that we that we talk on and so that's fun but okay yeah so you know when we when you do head to austin to you know head to that next level to go play collegiate baseball obviously right now you are a shortstop and second baseman you said you're, you play primarily shortstop for high school and for 12 but where do you kind of see yourself you know as you head to that next level do you think you're more of you know a shortstop type body or do you kind of see yourself maybe move it around, maybe go into second, two, third, uh, potentially even some outfield maybe, uh, like through your eyes, like where, where's your mindset at, you know, right now when it comes to position-wise at that next level? Yeah, so I would I would say I, I mostly see myself fitting just at the shortstop position in general um, because I, I'm a pretty, like, athletic, quick guy, and I, I like to think I have a pretty good arm also. Um, so short, I at short, I can cover a lot of range and, you know, make a lot of plays that, probably wouldn't get made if I didn't have, you know, the quickness that I have. But of course, if I go to Texas and they need an outfielder or they need a third baseman or whatever, then I'm happy to fill that role and just, you know, help the team win in any way I can. So any position that I can play is I'm happy to, you know, get better there and learn the things I need to learn at that position and help the team win there. So of course, you know, best mindset to have right there. No team comes first, no matter what position you're at, but let's, Let's go ahead. Let's dig into your, the hitting side of things here real quick. So take us through your approach. Let's say you are in the batter's box. You're wa- sorry. You're in the on deck. Sorry. You're on the on deck circle. You know, you're watching the guy in front of you and you know, maybe watching the pitcher warm up as well. And then you start walking up to the batter's box. Take us through what your approach is. What's going through your mind. What are you trying to do with each at bat as you're walking up there? So uh, before I even get on the on deck circle, I'm like kind of the entire game. I'm analyzing like the, their opposing pitcher and the umpire. Cause honestly the umpire makes a bigger difference than you think nowadays um, in high school ball. So like from short, I can see pretty much every pitch that my own pitcher is throwing. So if I notice he's giving the pitcher a lot of high pitches or outside strikes or whatever, then I, I kind of notice that from my own at bats. And then um, I develop my approach. Um, so if he has, if he's throwing a lot of fastballs and, you know, I'm hunting 
a fastball that I can drive, uh, hit a hard line drive to uh, right center field because most of the, most guys are trying to throw it at the outside corner. Um, and you know, if he's throwing a lot of curveballs, then maybe I'll sit on a first pitch uh, curveball and see if I can catch him throwing a hanger that just to get me over strike. Um, but yeah, just developing my approach for whatever situation I'm in. Um, and then just going in the box with like a clear mind, knowing, you know, what I'm trying to do, not thinking about like mechanics or anything like that, because, you know, I, I like to work on my mechanics in the cage and then leave that behind me when I go at the plate, because when it's time to hit in the game, you just got to be competitive and try to beat the pitcher because that's ultimately what the game is. And the mechanics are there to block you from your approach during the game. So, so kind of you talk about mechanics there, take us through what those mechanics are and how you develop those, you know, from your load up to your follow through, just take us through, you know, how you've developed these mechanics and what, and what these mechanics exactly are. Yeah. So my whole life, I've had a pretty like simple swing. I don't have like a big leg kick or a big like load in my hands or anything. Um, I find that when I'm, when I stay simple, um, it's, it helps me a lot more consistent and I don't really lose any power as opposed to having a huge leg kick or something like that. So I've always just been simple, like kind of slight load in my leg and, and get the hands back ready to fire. Um, and then whenever I see a pitch that I'm looking for, I just stay simple, try to hit a hard line drive to center field and stay level through the ball. Um, so that's kind of just always been my thing. And, you know, I have the they're all the same couple of things that if I get off, I notice it's, you know, usually one or two things that's going wrong in my swing. And I just get those back in check and then I'm usually good to go. But, yeah, just staying pretty simple has kind of always been my thing in terms of hitting. So looking at your game, looking at looking overall at your game. So your game's entirety from hitting, from playing shortstop, from, you know, maybe interacting with some teammates. If you were a scout watching your game, you know, what would be that personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself? So I know your strengths, maybe some things you want to work on, some things that you need to work on. Just take us through maybe what that personal scouting report would look like. Yeah. So I think um, just in terms of the whole game, my, my quickness and speed is a big uh, positive, you know, on defense and hitting, you know, beating out infield singles or whatever it may be. Um, and then also my arm on defense is, is definitely a plus because um, it lets me play deeper and have some more range in the holes. Um, and then in terms of hitting, I would say I have a pretty good uh, plate vision. You know, I, I kind of know immediately where the pitch is going to be and, it, and identify if that's something that I want to hit or, or not. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of things I would want to work on, probably just, you know, being more patient. I actually, I swing at a lot of like uh, first pitch, first pitches of the at bat. Um, so maybe even just like taking a pitch, see what I'm working with um, from it, from in the box view, and just going from there rather than you know jumping on jumping on the first pitch. So yeah. So you know, besides being more patient, you know, as you head to you know go through your junior year, go through your junior summer, lead into your uh, senior year as well, and then head to that next level. You know, what are maybe some of those biggest things you're wanting to develop? You know, like I said, beyond being patient in the box, you know, what are some of those key things you're wanting to develop before you head to Texas's campus? I would say the main thing is probably just like my size, getting bigger and stronger. Um, because if you watch college baseball, you probably see there's not a lot of like small guys. Um, playing so just really getting in the weight room and, and getting as strong as I can and putting on as much muscle 
um, as I can is definitely one of the main goals I have um, for for the coming years before I before I head to Austin. All right, so I got one last baseball question here for you. So obviously, you know, going through playing for the Texas 12, playing for a good high school program, maybe some of the other travel baseball programs you've played for as well. You know, if you could pick maybe two to three people who have been the most influential within your baseball career, who would those people be? And what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? Yeah, so I would probably say first would be my dad because, you know, he's, he's been kind of like my coach my entire life. Um, and anytime, you know, I'm struggling or, or doing well, he's always there to, you know, help me identify what's, what I'm doing, what I need to get better at. And it's, it's just always there uh, for me when I, when I need someone to, you know, like help me get through something or, or to support me when things are going well. Um, and then another one would be my brother because my brother, he's three years older than me. He plays uh, college baseball. Um, and he, he kind of probably got me into baseball because um, my dad didn't really play that much growing up. So I think it's mostly uh, him that really got me into the sport and got me loving the sport. And, you know, we worked and practiced together throughout our whole life and kind of just had our journeys together through the game. So he's really important um, in my baseball career. Um, and then lastly would be my hitting coach. Um, his name's Mark Quinn. He played for the Royals. Um, and he went to Rice University and played there. And I've had, he's been my hitting coach for like seven or eight years. I've been with him for a really long time. Um, and so he's, you know, seen the development of basically my whole game for almost my whole career. And so he, he knows me really well. And at this point, it's not even like my swing we're talking about. It's more like approach and thinking and stuff like that, that just the small details that will help me become a better player. And so he's really been important in, in developing me as a baseball player. Yeah. So for a guy like Mark Quinn, who, you know, like you said, has played for the Royals, played that made, got some major league experience, got some professional experience. You know, what are some different ways that you're picking his brain? Obviously he's got a ton of knowledge when it comes to, you know, just all the experiences he's had. Just what are like, how do you kind of pick his brain just in terms of, you know, not only just on the hitting side of things, but also just in, in the game of baseball in general, or maybe even in life, just through all the experiences that he's had. Yeah. So uh, we love to talk about like a lot of funny stories because as you can imagine, there's a lot of funny stories that go on in, in pro ball. Um, and then also just like, of course, everyone has slumps. He's had his slumps in pro ball and, and stuff like that. So just learning, you know, how to get through those times and learning strategies of, you know, not, getting too high or too low um, because the game of baseball can change really quickly. You can go three for three one day and then 0 for three with three strikeouts the next day. So just focusing on really what you can control and, and putting the work in um, is, is something that he's really taught me because uh, it's more important to focus on, you know, the things you can tr control rather than the results because the results can vary a lot. All right. All right, man. So I got a last couple of questions here for you. you know, the same set of questions I like to dig into on the personal side of things. I like to end off with pretty much everybody I get on the JKR podcast. So moving away from the game of baseball, I know you mentioned earlier, you and coach Knox are big sneaker heads, but what are some of those passions that you have, you know, beyond the game of baseball, you know, whether that's, you know, maybe taking your mind off of things, maybe coping with some stress, whatever it happens to be, what are some of those passions you have beyond the game of baseball? Yeah. So a funny thing that a lot of people don't know is that I actually, actually used to be really good at art, weirdly. Um, so I was 
not necessarily like painting and that kind of stuff, but just kind of like a crafty person. Um, I've kind of lost touch with that a little bit because it's not really been one of my focuses, but in my younger year, younger years, um, that was something I, I did a lot. And then I also love to play chess, um, and ping pong are two things that I, um, that I do a lot of my free time. And then I also like to, you know, hang out with my friends and play video games with them and kind of hang out and mess around. So those are things that kind of occupy my time when I'm not doing school or baseball. Okay. All right. So let's dig into motivations here for a second. You know, so, you know, what is it just deep down internally that, you know, helps you get out of bed every morning, helps you, you know, continuously evolve, continuously get better, you know, whether that's as a ball player, some in the classroom or just in a person in general, what are some of those internal motivations that you have just to continuously evolve, you know, as a person in general? I would probably say just really taking advantage of all the opportunities um, that I get is, is the main thing because, um, there's only a limited number of opportunities. And so just knowing that when I wake up every day, I have to, you know, put in the work, whether it's in for baseball or school and, and just take advantage of those opportunities that I'm given um, and make the best of them, like in terms of connections with people or certain things, you know, that I have the chance to do and, and stuff like that is, is what keeps me going because I know that I would, I would regret it if I, you know, let those opportunities slip by uh, because of like laziness or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, as you continuously, you know, capitalize on these different opportunities that you have throughout life, you know, let's take it a little bit forward 20 years down the road. So let's say, you know what, 36, 37 years old or so, you know, what is that perfect picture of your life? What does that look like? You know, you just keep capitalizing on these opportunities. You know, you keep getting better as a person and as a ball player. What does that perfect picture of your life look like 20 years down the road? I would probably be playing baseball, hopefully, hopefully in the MLB one day, um, you know, just living happy and hopefully healthy with, you know, the people I love, maybe having a family um, that I get to see every day and, and just, you know, enjoying life and, and accomplishing the things that are, are my main goals at the time um, would be great in 20 years. So, yes. There we go. There we go. So down to my last question here on the J-Care podcast, you know, when you do, uh, when you do head to Texas here in a couple of years, you're going to get that opportunity to capitalize on name, image, and likeness. You know, I'm sure you've probably heard about it. Big thing in NCAA right now. But when you do get that opportunity, what would be one dream brand that you would love to endorse, collaborate with, partner with, whatever it happens to be? What would that dream brand be? Um, I would probably say Bruce Bolt, like the, the batting glove company. Um, because I... Uh, to be honest, I hopped on the Bruce Bolt train before before they got big because I know a lot of guys are using their batting gloves and arm sleeves now, but I actually tried them before they, they really got hot. And um, they're honestly, I can say the best batting gloves. They just do not rip. So they're definitely a brand that, that is really cool to me and um, that I'm close to because I use pretty much only Bruce Bolt batting gloves now. Yeah. I mean, he's a pretty, he's a pretty young guy too as well, right? I mean, isn't he a yeah. kid? Yeah, he is. I think he's probably out of high school now, but I know like when they did that YouTube video on him, he, he was still in high school. So it's, it's okay. a pretty cool story. Yeah, man. He's, you know, made it definitely made a business out of that. But, you know, you mentioned that, you know, they don't rip. What else you know, makes those batting gloves so good? What do you think has obviously you like you said, you jumped on the train before everybody else did. What do you think kind of led to that success at, of Bruce Bolt um, just in terms of at what the actual product is? Yeah, so I think just the quality is like better than any other um, 
batting gloves. Like the leather is is soft and you know right out of the package they're ready to go. And I have I don't think I've had a pair ripped the whole time I've had them. Um, so just the quality is really different, and they're made in Texas, which is cool. So yeah. Awesome. You know, that, that is a very unique brand. You know, I think that's the first time someone said anything about a dream NIL brand being Bruce Bolt, which is odd because, you know, I'm always seeing, obviously, Harrison Bader. I know there's a couple other major league guys who use Bruce Bolt, and it looks like a very cool brand. I believe they kind of came onto the stage after I was done playing ball, so I never got that chance to kind of see what that product was about. But, I mean, I've seen it continuously evolve these past couple of years, so it has to be a pretty good product. Uh, but, no, man, that's the – that's the final question here on the J-Care podcast for you. You know, super appreciative of you coming on the show for this Texas 12 baseball series. You're going to be the final episode of this Texas 12 baseball series. So, you know, end it off big um, with you, man. But, you know, like I said, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I do want to wish you the best of luck when it comes to, you know, this spring as you guys continue on with your season this summer. And then as you head to that next level as well, going to Texas. Um, so, man, like I said, just thanks for coming on the J-Care podcast. Yes, thank you so much. I had a blast talking, you know, baseball, life, all the good stuff.